Today's podcast is brought to you by Eggshell Light Company. For over 45 years, Eggshell Light Company has been the go-to specialty shop handling the lighting needs for all that grace the shores of beautiful Hawaii. Combining the artistic methods of the theater with the speed and efficiency of the musical touring industry, they have pioneered event lighting throughout the Hawaiian Islands. They specialize in supply of top shelf equipment and designers for broadcast concerts, corporate, and special events. From the smallest weddings to televised concerts and the largest corporate clients, they know this is your most important event. It is their goal to make sure you feel that way. Aloha from Eggshell Light Company. Welcome everyone to another episode of LD at Large Podcast. My name is Chris Lose. I am the designer relations developer at Ayrton Lighting, as well as columnist for PLSN Magazine. It is a, what feels like another blurs day in self-isolation. I can't tell you exactly what day it is or when the weekend is, but I know that I'm alive and well, and I'm very thankful and grateful for that. Uh, So what happened recently was a a good friend of mine reached out and he said that he noticed that I had been paying attention to a lot of freelance designers who are kind of out on their own. And he kind of reached out to me and said, hey, can you kind of focus on some of the people who are working for companies right now and kind of get that perspective. So I took the time to reach out and I found a very good friend of mine. His name is Craig Richter. He is the lighting designer at Hailstorm. And he has uh, the different situation where Craig works for Bandit and he's a freelance, uh, like a permalancer sort of guy. Uh, also working for Bandit. So I thought it'd be really great to get his perspective on what's happening in the world these days. So thank you so much for making the time to sit and chat with me today, Craig. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. So kind of fill me in, like, because I, I know that you've listened in the past and you've, uh, you've heard me talking to a lot of guys who are kind of, for lack of a term, they're out on their ass right now. They don't have any sort of uh, safety net other than their own uh, forethought and planning, whereas you, you, you kind of have the best of both worlds in this situation, and you kind of have some unique roadblocks. So let's kind of fill me in on what's what's happening in your world right now. Yeah, so um, like you said, I, I work full time through Bandit Lights at their uh, Nashville office, and uh, you know, it, I've seen a lot of people, a lot of good friends that work for either other companies or freelancers or programmers or board ops or people that work directly for the artist. And, you know, a lot of their income came to a complete stop. Um, so by working for bandit full time, Michael Strickland has been really good about not for his full time employees or laying anybody off or cutting salaries. So, um, we've been, even though we went dark for probably nine weeks, I want to say, uh, there was nothing going on while Nashville's stay-at-home order uh, went into effect. So uh, we were thankfully and graceful enough for him to make sure that we were still getting paid through that time. Uh, so that really helped, and I was able to contact, you know, kind of play phone roulette with a lot of people and catch up and see where they're all doing. And you know, it's a, a lot more people than I thought were really hit by this. You know, so we've been able to keep working and now Nashville's in its second phase of opening. Uh, so we're kind of getting back in there into our shop safely as we can. Uh, 
everyone's required to wear masks and, you know, they have cleaning procedures they do throughout the day and you're still isolated as separated as much as you can throughout the shop. It's large enough that you don't have to be within 200 feet of people if you don't want to be. So, um, yeah, he's, we're kind of in the, now's the time to, if we're going to get paid, we can come back in and safely anyways, and start getting things going, get all the lights fixed, get them ready to go, finish the expansion of the shop and all that stuff. So, so obviously you'd rather be out on the road sitting in front of a console doing, doing shows. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's uh, obviously the end game, but um, I, I don't, I don't foresee I, from the, the general gathering I seem to get is it seems like a lot of artists and a lot of companies are kind of starting to wait for the whole, there needs to be either some type of medicine or a vaccine or something before they're comfortable going back out or it's worth the risk of going back out. But, you know, only, right. only time will tell for sure, you know, but so even after the regulations are lifted, it's still going to be a month or two until people are ready to get out there. And even then it's going to be another month or so until insurance companies are willing to underwrite that. And yeah, yeah. It's, time. Yeah. It's interesting. I've, I've kind of been thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see what happens if people are going to rush back to the show, back to shows because they've been tired of being pent up all this time and they want to see a show and they want to do it. Or are people not going to have the disposable income to spend on a show to just head right out first thing to go and see it, you know? So I think there'll yeah. be that lull period for sure. So so how did the how did the meeting go? I would imagine there was a, either an email or a, some sort of correspondence between you and Strickland or some of the guys at Bandanetics. So hey, we're all shutting down. We don't know how long. Uh, we're gonna make sure that you guys are taken care of. We don't exactly know how that looks. Fill me in on how on how you first realized that uh, the world was getting flipped on its head. So. Uh... We have, we have a group of freelancers that work for us as well um, from time to time. And, you know, as you started seeing this encroach more into the, the States, you started seeing, you know, oh, so-and-so tour just got postponed or, you know, that tour is ending early. Um, it, it really kind of helped, like it kind of went really quick. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a, you know, you saw it coming for weeks and weeks and weeks and it finally hit. I mean, it seemed like within a matter of a week or two, we went from, you know, we're still prepping shows. We're getting stuff, stuff's heading out, heading to rehearsals to, you know, complete halt. Um, so the freelancers obviously had to get sent home, which no one likes doing, but you know, it's, you can't keep freelancers on as much as you can if you want to keep your full-time people on and stuff as well. So it was kind of like we saw the freelancers go home um, and it was kind of like, we're not sure what's happening yet. Um, we're going to, there's still some stuff going out. Uh, we're waiting to hear stuff. And it's, it was really more of like, we're waiting to hear who's doing what and what the deal is. And then, so we kind of did finish up little things here and there in the shop and, you know, general maintenance on stuff and keep fixing lights, keep cleaning stuff, keep, keep doing this. And, uh, I think we got a week, maybe two past we sent them home. And, uh, it was, everyone's going home. It was right. It was the same time Nashville put in their stay at home order. 
So Got once it. he put in that, once they put in that like stay at home order, it was kind of, you know, I guess there was a way that you could possibly continue to work, but Michael was very much a, you know what, for everyone's safety and during this whole thing, let's just, let's hunker down for a bit and we'll regroup and we'll kind of see what's going to happen and how long it's going to happen and see how this plays out. So we all went home. I mean, it was, you know, there was an announcement in the shop through the GM uh, kind of said, Hey, here's the deal. Here's what's going to happen. Uh, we're going to work till we can. And then when that final call came, it was kind of like, you know, today's the last day for a while. And, you know, but then Michael sent out an email saying, you know, here's what the deal is. Here's why we're going to do this. Here's my thoughts behind it. And, He's tied into the medical community community over in Knoxville through UT and stuff like that. I guess he's on the board of directors for their medical mm-hmm. center too. So he got he's getting better information than you know us sitting there watching the news or through social media. So <laughs> yeah, you know, he kind of he made the call and yeah. you know he has a better that, filter than we do. Yeah, yeah. So he kind of did that and uh, you know let us know that like you know he's going to keep us on as long as he can and he's applying for you know, the PPP stuff and, and all that. And, uh, you know, we've been able to maintain it. It's, you know, it's not the same rate, like the road guys, like the people that go on tour, the road guys are not making the same amount as they would being on tour, obviously. But, you know, I know at least in my case, you know, it's enough that I can pay my bills and not drain my savings and all the other stuff. So, I'm super fortunate for that. And it's, he's still paying, you know, I still have my health insurance and I still have my 401k and all that other stuff. So it's uh, we're super fortunate when, when you look at it and realize like about one in four people are on unemployment right now, it can't find jobs. So, you know, we're, um, I consider myself pretty lucky to be able to call a band at my home and have them look out for me in you know, times like this. So that's one of the, the a, a large risk that you take, giving up your sovereignty as a freelancer, I would imagine that was something that you really had to consider when you came over to Bandit, knowing that Michael Strickland is a stand-up guy and Bandit does a really good job of taking care of their people. Yeah, so like when I started out in the industry, I worked uh, in Boston uh, doing local work, you know, local production, things of that nature. And, you know, I really got to cut my teeth on it. And, uh, you know, just hanging 120 K rigs with two K's and stuff like that for whatever tour coming through, whatever venue, um, around new England for the most part. And so I got to see pretty much everyone. I got to see the bandit guys come through the upstaging guys come through the Christie guys come through, you know, Ed and Ted's at the time, you know, all, all the, you know, different tours coming through and you kind of get a vibe of how each company goes. And, um, when it was finally time to like, I think I'm over the whole, I want to drive the truck, you know, four hours to a gig, set it up, you know, run the show, take it down, drive the truck four hours back doing, you know, 22 hour days. Um, you know, everyone told me that I met coming through, like, man, if you want to do it, you got to move to Nashville. That's or LA, you know, those are your two big hubs to, you know, be a touring guy. So um, I sent down emails through the winter during the downtime and, you know, bandit got back to me and they were essentially, they were first person to call me back. And I came down there and I started working with them and worked there for probably 
three or four years before I made the jump to full time. Um, and I, I don't mind being a vendor guy. I, I like the security of it where, you know, I, I know that if my artist decides we're going to go out from January till June and then we're going to take the summer off and pick up in October, uh, you know, you're sitting in end of June, July, you're, there's, there's little work to be had. You know what I mean? Everything's out for the year. So it's, uh, I, I like having that ability to, I can always go and clean lights or something like that and make a shop rate, or, you know, maybe there's a festival I can go and jump on or a short run or this, that, the other. So it, it gives me that flexibility of, you know, yeah, I may not be behind the console all the time, but you know, I can go, I can still go crew chief a festival or, you know, hang some lights or whatever. It's, you know, it, does, it doesn't bother me that much. So. Right on. You just touched on a, a big subject that uh, a lot of people forget is that when touring crews come through a house uh, gig, they're actually representing the gear that's coming with them. So when they come through with cases full of lights that say bandit, the, the people that are on the tour are representing bandit, whether right. they're freelance or not. They're, they're kind of, they're the, the front line for bandit. Yeah. So it's, and, and it's best interest to make sure that all of their people are as happy as possible and cheerful and, and making a good impression. Yeah. And I think bandit does a, a pretty good job about, you know, what Michael wants you to have it. 20 year, 30 year, 40 year career here. And I mean, there's guys that have been working for the company for 40 years. You know what I mean? And it's, he wants you to have the benefits. He wants you to have insurance and 401ks and retirement and plan for your future. Um, you know, so a lot of the bandit road staff that you see, a lot of them are full-time bandit people or they work solely for bandit. Um, and just to kind of keep that quality of like, you know what you take, I find myself anyways, like I take a little more pride knowing that, you know, yeah, it says bandit lights on the case, but you know, it's my company, you know what I mean? Or it's my gear. It's how Ooh. I represent, you know, how I represent myself and how I send the gear back or how, you know, cause people aren't, if you're a dick at a show, they don't remember you they remember the name on the case that, you know, yeah. those bandit guys or those Christie guys or those upstaging guys that came through, they're a real asshole. And guess what? Mm -hmm. Tomorrow there's another show rolling through and maybe it's the same company coming through on that tour. And now they're got a bad taste because so-and-so was a dick, you know, and mm -hmm. you got the same case. So you're a dick and I don't want to work with you or I'm going to make your life a pain in the ass. So um, yeah, I, I like to kind of, you know, keep it I, I look at it as it's it's yeah he owns the company it's his gear it, I, but i work for him and it's you know it's my tour i'm going out on it and you know i want it i want to present it the best that i can because you know yeah. you, you got to take pride in what you do other than otherwise what's the point of doing it you know same thing as if you're putting a stamp on a lighting sign are you proud of it you got to take pride in the fact that it's done right so if you're like yeah it's okay you know, then you may, you're probably not going to get that gig again, you know, but. <laughs> so fill me in on how you get to do kind of the best of both worlds. You get to design and you have a, a, a steady shop gig at the same time. It's obviously the shop gig is like your, your backup, thing, yeah. but, but you still 
have both. Like you have a 401k and you're on the road. Yeah. Which is not something that used to be even possible. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I was working for a Chicago band called Chevelle for a few years and um, still through Bandit and a tour manager, our tour manager had some family emergency and he couldn't do a a short little run, like a a month long run or something like that through the winter. So um, a friend of his came and filled in and he was a tour manager for Hailstorm. Uh, So got to talking with him. We're both from New England. He's from Vermont. I'm from New Hampshire. So, you know, we're bordering states. We see eye to eye pretty much on a lot of things. So um, long way around it. They were ramping down. I got off to go do another gig. Uh, that gig didn't end up panning out, and I was kind of sitting sitting idly by. I didn't have much to do. I could go work in the shop, but everything was out for the year. All the tours were out. So um, he called me up and was like, hey, man, because he ironically got offered that same gig, but to be the tour manager and he had turned it down. Uh, so he called me up and was like, Hey, you know, do you want to come out and do some hailstorm stuff? I don't have a ton, but it's whatever. Uh, yada, yada. Um, sure. Absolutely. It'll be fun. It'll fill me in. And, uh, they were right at that cusp of, you know, one truck, one, uh, one, one truck, two buses type of deal. And it was, still a tower package and we did that summer and then they asked if I wanted to stay on and we've ramped it up since then, which is cool. And they let me do pretty much everything or anything I want, as long as their management or a friend of theirs comes to the show and goes, you know, it looks good, not terrible. You know, they kind of leave, leave me alone to have my own creative freedom with it. And, uh, so when I do it, I kind of just base them, you know, I tell them, Hey, you know, I, I work for bandit. I'd like to take bandit lights. We don't care who you take for lighting company. It doesn't matter to us. Cool. Uh, and then I tell them, you know, Hey, I also work for them full time. So I'll get paid through them as well. So they're going to add that into, I don't know how the contracts work on that side of it, but, <laughs> um, you know, I get, I get paid through the company as well and yada, yada. So essentially you're only paying, one check every week for lights. So I'm included in that payment for lighting and all that stuff. So, which I guess it turns out kind of helps them in a way where yeah. I don't have to be on their payroll. They don't have to have insurance for me, workman's comp, any of that stuff. So they said in, in the end of it, it kind of, you know, saves them a little bit of money by me not being on their payroll and having to take out all this insurance and everything like that. So yeah, you're one um, less headache really. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's, it's kind of, if you, if you have that ability to meet people and you get these different offers to go be a board opera designer, you get a little bit more freedom within a, within a vendor to be, you know, you know, yeah, a board op, this is my primary gig that I do. And you kind of fill around it versus if you're just going to be a tech, you're kind of at, their mercy in a way of like, well, we're going to send you here mm-hmm. and then we're going to send you there. And we're going to send you here, which is great. You know, a lot of times, I mean, I remember a few years ago, there was, you were better off being a tech than you were being an LD. You know, there was more <laughs> gigs going on yeah. than there were LD spots. And it was like, I knew so many LDs looking for work, but you know, text, you couldn't find a, a crew chief or you couldn't find a good tech. So, mm-hmm. um, but you know, it's, uh, it's it's a, it's definitely a weird 
weird situation where I kind of work it and, you know, I, I work with my client reps really well because that's the other aspect of it is it's you work for the company, but you're also the point man for the tour that's bidding the gear to the company. So it's kind of that, you know, there isn't a third party coming in to say, this is the gear that I want. This is the yada yada. And then bring in the LD from the company. You're kind of the company guy saying, this is what I'd like, but you know, it's kind of good in a way too. Cause if you're in the shop, you know what you have, you know, you know that I have this type of gear or, you know, maybe this strobe is completely out right now, but this strobe isn't, and I'm good with that, you know? So, um, it, it's, it's different. Uh, I'll say that, but it's, it's worked out. You know, I've been, I've been in the bandit for just over 10 years now. So blink of an eye and I didn't even realize it. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's I would imagine that helps with your fixture selection too, because when you're in the shop working on lights, you're like, yeah, I want to play with this more. I want to take this out. Yeah. Well, and that's last time I saw you, you were in there doing a shootout with all the new Arrington stuff. And it's like, yeah, you had the full range. And it's like, I mean, I had played with some Ghiblis and some Mistrels, you know, on local festival rigs or something like that. But to, you know, mm -hmm. have one of you guys come in, you that's another bit of advantage of being that's a in perk the shop. For sure. You know, I can say to Jake Tickle, hey, man, I really want to check out this light. And he'll be like, okay. And he'll make his contacts. And then a few days later, it's there. A week later, it's there. You know, how long <laughs> How long are you home for? You know, I, it's, I don't have to have a fixture shipped to my house or something like that and worry about trying to get power. It's, you know, hey, you know, or you, you go on tour for six months and you come back and it's, hey, we got all this new cool stuff. Like, oh, awesome. Oh, I wanted to check that picture out. I want to try that one. And, you know, you kind of have that. Yeah, you have the toolbox there. You know, you can look through it and, you know, from time to time, I like to go what I call top shelf shopping, where it's, you know, you, you kind of look around the top shelf of the shop on the gear that's not used anymore for the most part. It's <laughs> it's still there. It was cool like five years ago, but nobody wants it anymore. And you can go, oh, well, I could use that. You know, I could I could pull something like that out or that'll fit it. Or I didn't have the budget for that when it was new and hot and cool, but it's still cool. It still does what I want to do. And now I can get two for the price of one, you know? So you kind of, you can kind of keep a track on what's coming in, what's going out, what's, what's good and what's bad. And what a fun design line. process that must be to just walk through the bandit warehouse and yeah. treat it like your own <laughs> shopping center. You're like, I'll yeah. take uh, seven of those. I'll put those on the plot. I'll take yep. uh, 20 of those. And yep. Yep. Uh, or, Hey Jake, are those available? That? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Put them in what the cart. Is that thing? Yeah. What is, what is that thing up there? Oh, those things, those were, I don't know, those are from the 90s. Oh, really? Like, yeah. yeah. Do they work? I, I guess so. Let's, let's take those them out. Let's check them out. They, they, they've yeah, been here for yeah. years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of guard stuff still floating around on those top shelves. But, um, you know, it, it is cool. I mean, he's, I mean, they have all the new stuff, but, you know, they still have some old stuff that, you know, it still works. And you never know when the park can or the dimmer systems are going to come back around. And it's, you know, Hell, I found some back in the day. I was, we did this, the band I was working for at the time wanted to do this underwater type theme, you know, and they wanted a, the backdrop and they had like sea mines coming up. And I mean, it looked cool. And we had some sea mine props on the stage and yada, yada. And, uh, you know, one of the project managers was like, man, you know, it'd be cool on that backdrop would be some ripple lights. I'm like, I don't know what a ripple light is. It was, in, they 
found this thing. They sent it over from Knoxville, and it was a it's a box, and it had like a ripple effect thing on it, and it's a barrel, and it turns, and the light shines through it, and it makes it look like water on the drop. I'm like, this is fantastic, you know. Hit it with a little gel. There's water on the water drop, and it it looked cool, but it's you know. I may not know, but they got, again, you got, that's another asset you can get there too. You got people that are, you know, been in that company for 20, 30 years, 40 years that have toured and now off the road. And, you know, they may know that's another thing you can throw at them. You know, Hey man, I was thinking about doing this or that. I mean, they have so much knowledge themselves just on how stuff goes together or what could work cool for this or that and the other. It's, you know, it helps. Yeah. So when I'm freelance, I have to constantly be making sure that I'm out there and marketing myself and making sure that I'm in front of people. Now that you work for Bandit, do you still have to get out and promote yourself or do you kind of rely on the team to promote you? Um, I, I definitely still try and promote myself 100%. You know what I mean? It's, nobody's going to hand you anything. You know, it's, it, I don't ever think it's going to be, I don't expect Bennett to hand me anything. It's, you know, if I want that gig, I got to, I should, you know, if, if it's a gig coming through the company and I want on it, I should be able to prove why I should, I'm the best person to be on that system or, you know, but as a board op, yeah, you still would hundred percent have to go and, and promote yourself as to, you know, why you want it and how you want it. And, you know, by being a vendor vendor guy, it can present a little bit of a challenge at times where it's like, yeah, we would use you, but we've been with this company for years. So, oh yeah, uh, you know, if you're willing to work directly for the artist or yada, yada. And, you know, I, I, I've seen some people be able to step away or sidestep to go and do something and come back type of deal. I don't know how they did it exactly, but, um, you know, uh, so you're not just selling yourself, you're selling the whole package really. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like to sell the whole package because I, I like personally, like carrying the gear. That's why I work for the people <laughs> I work for. I like the system. I, I like the way it goes together. I like the way right. we can do it. I like, I like how it comes out of the shop ready to go. So, um, and I mean, as far as I'm concerned, uh, uh, Martin fixture from one company is the same as a Martin fixture from the other. You know what I mean? It's, they're all the same. It's just, it's how it, how the package is put together to go on tour that, that matters, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, you definitely still have to go out and promote yourself. I still think going to like LDI is great. Uh, Chris Lyle does these uh, touring career workshop in Nashville. Now that's mm -hmm. a great attribute. And he tries to do these uh, pre COVID you know, he does a couple times a year, he'll do these network social hours where it's not a workshop. It's just, we're going to go to a bar and, you know, if you're in town, come hang out, come say hi, come, you know, see the people you may not have seen for a year or meet some new people or this, that, and the other. And it's, you know, that's really good too. And I think you, you definitely still have to stay in touch with people that even if they were maybe your tech at one time, they could be your LD now or the programmer or the never designer. Know. Or you never know where no. they're going to be. So uh, yeah, you definitely got to kind of still sell yourself. Um, it, it just working through a vendor definitely 
puts a puts a different curve in the road as it were to you know how you sell yourself but you know good analogy yeah it, it works you know i mean if people it, it's if it didn't work people wouldn't be doing it you know what i mean but um <laughs> so when yeah. you're out uh, selling yourself do you still carry business cards i do yes i still carry some business cards um i i think it's it's still the easiest way. I mean, I know nowadays everyone's on their phone, but you know, if you have 300 contacts in your phone, you meet somebody at a bar or an LDI or wherever, or even just going to see a friend at a show, you know, and beating his designer or his programmer or his LD, you know, sure. Take my number, call me whenever. And it's like, cool. And then you two days go by and you can't remember the dude's name. You're trying to look it up in your phone. Versus, you know, you, you get a, uh, a business card, you can get home and go, Oh yeah, this guy. And I, I like it because it, it reminds me to reach out to this person, you know, uh, just even if it's just a, Hey, good meeting you. Nice to meet you. Here's my information. Here's your information. You know, it's there, you know, and I, I like to write on the cards too, you know, where I met this dude, you know, on this tour, on this show or wherever, or he works for this band or that design company. So you can always kind of go back Rolodex style and find, <laughs> find, find a person that you're trying to look for, you know, or, you know, but, uh, I think we just dated ourselves there by even yeah. knowing what a role is. Yeah. Yeah. I watched a lot of old movies. That's all. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Good one. Yeah. But I, I, I like to have them. I still, I still like to carry them around uh, from time to time. I still carry them in my backpack when I go to gigs and, especially at like festivals and stuff where you're, I, I find they're great at festivals where, you know, Hey, uh, you know, my programming time's up, but is there anyone coming in the next band? No. Could I come during, you know, the set change to finish what I'm doing? Sure. Mm -hmm. You know, here's my card. I'm gonna leave the card here. Call me if you need me or call me when, when I can come out or if anything changes. And same thing, if I'm doing a festival for, for bandit, I'll leave my card on the console. If you guys need anything, here it is. Or I'm going to go run and grab a sandwich while you're programming. You're up. You're good. Yep. My dinner guy's on stage. Cool. Call on call if you need it. But, you know, if you need me for whatever reason, here's my number. Call me. You know, and it's it's classier than a piece of gaff tape, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's something you can't do with your, your LinkedIn account or your Facebook account. You can't just slap it on the console and, and go off to catch a beer. You got to invite somebody and you kind of it's some it's weird sometimes You're like hey so we spent some time together here's a random facebook request 20 minutes later you're like that's yeah i have a hard time with that i'd still have people in my facebook thing it was like i don't i don't know who this person is you know but they're friends with six of your friends and it's all lds or texts or something like that it's like okay and it, it's that oh yeah we did a you were the local guy at this country fair that i did out in minnesota or something like that you know or wyoming and it's i, I don't, not to be rude I, I just sorry i don't i don't your name didn't strike me right away you know so <laughs> there's a there's a protocol or a ceremony to it you can't just randomly start adding people on facebook you gotta linkedin is a little more open i mean people are on linkedin because they want to make connections yeah. But Facebook, if you start just adding people randomly, it gets it's weird. Yeah, I feel like it's Facebook's like an invasion sometimes. 
Yeah, I feel like Facebook's still that. That's your personal account versus like a LinkedIn account's more the business. You know what I mean? Or like the Facebook and the Instagram. That's like for talking to your cousins and your friends from college, not so much trying to get a gig or, you know. Yeah. To each their I own, like that I Instagram is still reserved for just pretty pictures. I like going yes. there because there's no you can't really do much there. You can put the picture and maybe a description of the picture. And then there's some of the people that are monetizing and you're like, yeah, I don't don't really follow that stuff, but yeah. Then the ads come in and it's all, it's all over from there. Facebook has kind of devolved into a shit show. It's just, yeah, it's all just whatever you searched on YouTube for, or booked up on Amazon or something. (laughs) It's just, you get more of that now. And, Apparently you only know 20 people, you know, out of your 400 friends or whatever. So, but yeah, I feel like LinkedIn's still safe in the way that it's just, most people keep it just professional. Hey, look at these gigs that I'm on or look at this new product or this new innovation. Yeah. A little safer there. Yeah. Yeah. It's still very industry based or at least for your, your current career, whatever that may be, you know, selling hot dogs or doing lights you know <laughs> it's all you know you can find the people to do it through linkedin but how often do you check your linkedin nowadays i honestly don't even have a linkedin account i it's really it's one of those yeah it was one of those things where it came when it came out i thought it was like it's like whatever you know, i have facebook i have instagram i'm not doing twitter and then now we've got some linkedin thing i'm like i'm not doing that i'm just i'm not doing it you know and I still get things from time to time. People will be like, hey, so-and-so wants to invite you to LinkedIn or do this. And it was just kind of like, I don't know, I kind of fell back on the business cards. It's like, man, if you're looking for me, I probably gave you a business card or you know me and you can call me. And it's, <laughs> you know, but I think that kind of also goes off too of the, you know, being it that I work for a vendor, I kind of don't rely on LinkedIn as much, you know what I mean? Cause I'm not, yeah. you know, I'm not constantly searching for that, that gig after the gig, after the gig, you know, trying to line up my year versus, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of got my band that I like working for going around the console and they do 200 plus days a year. So that's good. And the downtime, I'll go do a one-off here, one-off there that I don't have to hunt for. Cool. You know, it's, so I don't, I don't rely on it as much as I, if I would, if I was still freelance or had my own design company or whatever, or trying to be a solo programmer or something, you know, it's, I, I should probably build one. I just, I never got around to it, you know? So what about a website? Did you ever build yourself a website? Never bought never built a website either. Man. Um, I know, I know. I'm. Slacking. You are going old school, man. You are just rocking it with business cards and handshakes. Yep, handshakes, word of mouth, and you know, well, I love it. I, I learned a lot from the old school dudes. You know what I mean? Like when I started, the the, the on PC stuff and all this wasn't wasn't there yet. It was some stuff, but not really. It wasn't as prevalent as it is now, and like. I mean, we were still hanging park hands all the time. Like your standard rig going to a, a one-off was 120K with maybe you got six 2Ks profiles or something like that. That was kind of it. So, you know, I learned a lot from the old school dudes on like, you can make a 120K rock if you want, you know, and if you're really good, you can do it with no color, you know, which I've only seen like two people be able to do 
120 with no color and be like, that was nuts. But, you know, they never, by working with the old old school guys and, and learning from them, they were never worried about the websites and all that stuff. It was kind of like, man, people know me. If they want to, if they want me to do their stuff, they'll get a hold of me or they know somebody that knows me. And I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's amazing how small of an industry it really is, even though there's what 10 million people in it, they say nowadays, but I don't know. I just, I never did it again. I think that kind of fell off of like, I fell into the vendor slot and I kind of just, I, I never really put the website together because I was never, my primary goal is never just to design things and just solely be a designer and this, that, mm-hmm. and the other, like, I still like hanging lights. I still like doing, you know, if I'm, if I'm carrying a floor package on an opening slot for eight months out of the year, it's cool to go and do a large scale, massive rig. It's, you know, sense of, what's the word I'm looking for, you know, sense of you still have it or you can still do it. You know, you're still yeah. honing, yeah. you know, you're keeping your shills, your skills sharp because, you know, I like to be able to, I like to know that, Hey man, if, if I'm asking you to swap that light and rope it in or something like that, I know it's not on my end. I've done everything on my end or, and I know that it's this in that fixture, that fixture has this issue or whatever, you know, versus, you know, sitting there and realize, Oh, I had something parked when I cloned it over. And now that <laughs> chan- now that channel's gone. I've, I've done that too. But, you know, I try to, I try to keep it, you know, keep it able to, I still like doing, I still like doing the, the dimmer side of the snake from time to time, you know? Cool. Um, yeah. You're in a great position for that. Yeah. You know, and that's, I think that's kind of, that's an allure for a vendor. If you want to work for a vendor type of deal, you're kind of, I feel like you're kind of more that person where it's like, yeah, I love running consoles. I love programming it. I love, I love being the guy behind the desk, but I also still enjoy, you know, being able to build a massive rig and stand back and be like, okay, I built that. That's a lot of shit hanging in the air. You know what I mean? And it's <laughs> was very light tolerances and, you know, it's, it's cool. You know, it's, you still get, you know, you're hanging out with your friends and you're, you're building something. And I still, I still enjoy the hands-on of that. So, um, right on. So, so it sounds like you learned your networking skills from some of the older guys too. Uh, do you feel that, we're still at a place where we have to go and do all of our networking at the bar after the show. Do you go out for smoke breaks, stuff like that? Is that all still part of your, uh, your face to face and your word of mouth promotion? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, I don't think you got to go and get blasted at a bar after the show, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. you, know, you, used or, to. you know, you used to, yeah. Or have some of those like LDI hangovers the next day. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think it's throughout the day, you know, an old Scott, an old school dude told me this one day, you know, you're going to argue with people throughout the day that maybe your friend that you work with, or you're going to have to work with on the whole tour. And you may be at your throat that day, you know, just, I hate this person. They're doing it wrong. I'm doing it right. Or they don't get it. You know, an old school dude told me, you know what, man, at the end of the day, whatever issue you had with this person stays on that stage. The trucks are loaded. It's done. We're going to go get on the bus. And you got to be on the bus with them too. have a beer. Cheers. And we're not talking about it anymore. That was today's issues. Those issues stay on this stage. Now we're on the bus having a beer. We're not talking about the issues we had today. 
everyone's relaxed and it works, you know, the next day, those aren't the issues anymore. You know, you kind of just, I think there's a lot to go on to having a beer for networking. Yes. Having a beer to put away whatever issues you had through the day with that person. Absolutely. You know, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think it's a, it's, it's at least a nice social event to meet people and talk to them and hang out and, you know, get to know them on a more personal level other than just, yeah, you're the guy that hangs stage right PA or something like that, you know? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back in my twenties, I used to think that that was the only way of, uh, of networking because I grew, I came up in the Vegas scene where you worked in the shop all day and you, you got to meet a handful of designers. But if you really wanted to make a connection, you took that person or you just hoped that either you got invited or you started some sort of situation where you could go out to the bar with that, pe- that person that night. And more often than not, it kind of devolved into a, like, let's see how much we can drink and still work tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think everyone's kind of touched on that aspect, you know, or, you know, and you, I don't know if that's walk. just a younger man's game or if that's being kind of phased out altogether. I don't, I don't see it as much and I don't know if it's just because I'm in my forties now or if that's still, that's think, still happening. I think it's kind of starting to get phased out a little bit just because like, I think it's just cause like the rigs are getting so much more complicated where yeah. you, you can't go in hungover anymore. You're not just plugging in six or eight copper lines into the fleener. I mean, it's, you got a whole network system of 80 universes and things going here and there and automations moving over your head. You know, you're, you know, you're hanging 80, 90, 100,000 pounds over people's heads nowadays versus the, you know, 20 back yeah. 15 years ago. You know, I think people take it a lot more serious. I don't want to say more serious than people did back then, but they're not so much worried about the hang as they are about the intricacies, the, you know, yeah. I'm really good at this. I'm real. I know I can do this. And, you know, it's not worth having a bit of a hangover tomorrow for the good time because, you know, I know I got to do this or I got to do that or, you know, or for good reason, I got to run a show and I'm doing a lot of it. I got to launch the artist on a toaster or, you know, fly him mm-hmm. in from the grid. And if I'm groggy and hungover, that's not going to be fun. You know, but Another major shift is I think that when I started touring there, I remember having load-ins where there was at least two or three hours between the time we were done and the time rehearsals or uh, VIP started. Yeah. Nowadays, that's not the case. That yeah. is, that's a rare thing now. Now it's like you're working right up until. Yeah. You're rolling in at doors and you know, you're, you're lucky if the rig's up at one and then sound check and then you got to bring in this truss and change that height. And the opener's got to fly their trusses now, you know, because mm-hmm. I mean, hell 10 years ago, the, the opening act was still pretty much carrying a couple towers with some lights, some floor lights type deal. And now it's there, you know, flying their own video walls and, you know, custom set carts that, you know, hold 600 fixtures. And it's, you know, they've got 20 universes worth of stuff that they need. And it's, you know, you got to be here to manage that versus going, here's your line. You know, I'm going to leave it on top yeah. of the rack. You're good to go. Call me if you need me, you know, but yeah, I think it's just, the, sh- the shows are getting bigger, the lights are getting cheaper and more affordable to carry, and people want the showmanship. They want the, they want it. In even though they're opening, they're not going to 
settle for, you get, you know, the washes only, no profiles or, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. So it used to be that if you were 10 minutes off your game, you still had a two hour pad. But nowadays, if you're 10 minutes off your game, you're pushing doors and they yeah. don't take kindly to that. And if you're hungover, that is going to be the first thing that they point out. Like, uh, Craig, you're, you're, you smell a little like uh, some Captain Morgan there, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So you're still sweating out the booze. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, uh, that's probably another thing that uh, we should address, though, is that if you were a freelancer, you're only representing yourself in that case. And you're the only one that's going to feel the repercussions. Yeah. You're going to be the only one getting an email or a phone call like, Hey Craig, thanks for coming, but uh, I'm oh, not yeah. going to ask you back. But now yeah, that you I mean, represent bandit. Mm-hmm. You got to put that into effect. And I mean, they have their own set of policies for that. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, there's, there's a zero tolerance for, you know, show days and stuff. Like if you're on an off day, they're not going to tell you, you can't go have some beers, but like, you better be ready to go come showtime and you got to run motors. You know, I mean, they're, especially when it comes to motors, like if you're the dimmer guy and you're running our motor system and stuff like that, the liability is on the company versus if you have, you know, SGPS or ARS or something like that, where they're providing rigging for the whole thing. And here's your dongle versus, you know, you have the company motor controller and if you're not paying attention and something goes wrong, you're, you know, you're screwed. You're, you're, you're getting pulled from that tour. And, you know, I've, I've seen some people get sent home, you know, where it's, you did something wrong and it's, you're, you know, so, so-and-so is on the flight out, you know, get your shit out of your bunk and we'll, you know, you're going to swap with them at the airport, you know, mm-hmm. but to that avail, that's kind of a nice thing to be in the company too, is you have that option to be like, you know, as a bandit guy, you know how bandit systems are put together. So it's real easy for them to say, Hey, I can send you home at any minute and have somebody else out there doing your gig. And they're going to walk in knowing what they need to do. You know what I mean? They'll get their lighting Bible ahead of time and they're on the plane, learn, looking over the plot and the cabling and how everything goes together. And, you know, so yeah, you got to kind of really be on your game to make sure you're not, you know, screwing anything up. But I mean, it's not anti fun if anyways, but you know, I think just in general, you just don't see that many people on school nights getting too wild anymore or, you know, slamming beers, you know, during the two hour window before from lunch to showtime or something, you know, it's things are, things are different. Everything's, everything's bigger. Everything's moving. Everything's heavier. Everything's networking. You need to be out of your wits about you, you know? So that's another caveat too, that you just mentioned is when you work, for bandit or any of the the larger lighting companies you are very replaceable Mm -hmm. because there's a whole team of other people that know what you do how you got there yeah they can at any point if you're if you slip up they can uh flip a switch and you're replaced yeah i mean anyone's replaceable on a tour i mean i held tour manager replaceable it's just a matter of it's a lot easier to replace a lighting tech from a company, you know what I mean? Versus, you know, if you've hired a a freelance team to be your guys, cool. But, you know, well, we got to send so-and-so home because he's hammered in the middle of the day. Who knows, who knows a guy that's available (laughs) right now? You know what I mean? And it's, you know, they may call whoever, whatever vendor they have that maybe has, maybe it's a freelance team. And it's like, cool. Yeah. We're going to try and find somebody versus, you know, they can walk out and go, I'll give you, give me 10 minutes and Hey, 
you're going to, can you get on a bus tomorrow? You know what I mean? And, you know, I've had their, I had a guy replace me at one point because I left the tour. And then at one point I got a phone call. Hey, can you get on a bus tomorrow? Like, yeah, where am I going? Are you going to go back and do your old gig that you, you left because so-and-so messed up <laughs> and the tour is pissed and they want him gone. And, uh, okay. So I end up on a bus with all my old friends that I left a year ago. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's, it's, it's that easy. It's a matter of, can you get on a bus tomorrow or can you get on a flight by phone? Like if, if you leave right now, can you pack in two hours and be on a flight? You know, it's just another ride on the carousel. It is, it is. But I mean, I think that's via, via vendor or whoever. I mean, if they want you gone, you're gone. And if anyone's replaceable, but it just, yeah. it makes, it makes it easier to, it, I don't know, maybe it just hits home a little bit more when you're, when you see everyone around knowing that you can, any one of these people can replace me at any time if I mess up, you know? So and it'll probably be your friend, oh. you know? But. Right on. So we are like, 50 minutes into this and we have totally not even got to what was supposed to be our first topic. Uh, kind of. So the person that was interested, they kind of want to know what people are doing who are working right now. And so I know that you're still working right now. I mean, I know yeah. you said you were for a short while or not furloughed, but you took uh, some time at home, but now yeah. you're back in the shop and working and so fill me in on what's going on. Yeah. So, I mean, Nashville's lifted their stay at home order and you know, it's obviously, I mean, they're in phase two, so restaurants can have people in them and stuff like that. So as far as that goes, I mean, in the shop, you can work in the shop. So uh, we're back. Um, we've had a couple things come across that maybe, you know, this could happen or that could happen. But, um, you know, for the most part, like I said earlier, Bandit's expanding their, their Nashville shop and it's encompassing the entire building that we were in half of at one point. And so we're kind of getting that up and running, uh, getting everything where it needs to be and kind of going through any piece of gear that when we left was needing to be repaired or whatever. And they're just, they're getting their inventory ready to go. So when we can do shows and things can happen, you know, you know, Michael Strickland wants to be ready. He wants to have every gear, every piece of gear ready to go out the door. So and be as ready as we possibly can so that things aren't starting up when we come back and we still got 20 trunks of cable that need to be deprepped or, you know, half of those fixtures are still filthy from whatever tour came home on and stuff like that. So, you know, it's kind of just, we're, we're there, we're getting stuff ready. We're getting caught up on things. We're finishing the move and, you know, kind of hoping that at some point something happens, you know, and, or we can yeah. do a drive-in or something like that. I don't know. That seems to be big overseas. Now they're doing the whole drive-in theater or drive-in concert style stuff. But yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, right now it's just, we're, we're working in the shop and getting stuff ready to go and getting organized and cleaning and doing general maintenance on cool. stuff that maybe just kind of gets overlooked throughout the year. So, uh, there's a very, there's a highly coveted, uh, downtime right now. That's we all, we all ask for this amount of time off. We, I don't know if we, this is the way we wanted it, but this is what we get. Yeah. I mean, I'm still not even totally ready to get back on a bus. I mean, the last run I did with Hailstorm, we did an actual full circle of the globe. I mean, we, left Nashville, went through England, Europe, did that run. And then 
down to, you know, Asia and did Australia, New Zealand, Japan, stuff like that. And then we flew back to LA and came back. So like we did a full circle. I mean, in the past two years on that album cycle with them, I mean, they worked and we did a lot of travel. So it's just kind of like, I'm, I'm still good. I'm not, I'm not really biting at the bit. I mean, we got back in December. So it's kind of like, it's kind of nice the downtime. I've relearned how to shop for groceries and, you know, exercise and things of that nature that you don't ever do get a doctor's appointment or go to the dentist, you know? So Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's, I don't know. I'm ready for shows to happen again for sure. But uh, you know, when it will happen, I'm not sure. I'm I'm not also wanting to be the, the Guinea pig or the first person at the biggest concert (laughs) of the year and to find out if, you know, it's a good idea. You don't want to be the control group. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not ready for that right away but uh you know i I think it's cool that people are are starting to do the live stream stuff of you know hey we we may not be able to do it live to you in person but you can log on and check out something or you know at the very least Mm -hmm. try to raise awareness of stuff because i mean we are going to be the last industry to come back you know what i mean and yeah where the world may open by october or something like that but or july but we won't be back you know what i mean it's it's scary when you think about it. So, yeah, I appreciate Michael Strickland's uh, very well educated, well informed viewpoints on that. That he makes very public. He says, "Hey, you guys, this is we're in this for the long haul here. So get you know don't don't have any unreal expectations right now." He's uh, he's been very good about putting out some of the information that he has that uh, we really appreciate. Yeah. yeah, I think he's doing a, a pretty good job about trying to make it aware of like. We, we got to take it to your your state representative, your elected officials, and let them know about this. And if you don't know what to say, here's something you can say. You can copy and paste it, you know. And, uh, but, you know, all while still maintaining a sense of positivity about it. Like, we are going to be back. It's not like we're going to be down forever. We will be back. We just don't know when. But we need to prepare for the long haul, uh, potentially not working at all this year. But he's been big on – don't look at it as a year, two weeks, two weeks, two weeks, a month out, something like that. You know, oh, yeah. don't, don't look at it. Yeah. Don't worry about January of next year. We don't, we don't know what's happening then, you know, yeah. tomorrow they could come out with something tomorrow that, Hey, we found out this over the counter thing. You can go pick up at Walgreens cares it, you know, they don't know yet. So it's, I think he's done a pretty good job about being a, being a voice for our industry with his connections and, you know, trying to try to steer us the best, we can through the storm of stuff. So right on. Well, thank you so much for taking the time, Craig. This has been great. I know that you're, you're very busy and I'm sure you've got uh, lots of things going on, lots of irons in the fire. So trying to, thank you very much for making the time to sit and chat with me. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate uh, you taking time as well. And uh, it was good talking to you and hopefully we can do it over beer sometime in Nashville. That would be way better, way better. I I appreciate that that so much more than staring at my, computer screen one more day yeah know? yeah we can exchange uh business cards and put them in our rolodexes <laughs> i'll bring you one i've got the new uh the new ntsc cards they Ooh. where it is a card but i can tap it to your phone oh and it just, i didn't, didn't even yeah. know that existed <laughs> well all right i can't then. remember what it is if it's ntsc or something it's like a rfid thing in my inside my cards where i can just tap it awesome. so i only have a hundred cards and i don't have to get a thousand anymore <laughs> 
Awesome. That's great. Yeah. I'll have yeah. to, I'll have to update your card then. I'll, I'll swap you out. But, cool. Right on, well, man. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Likewise, Chris. See ya.